starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV. Do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Hello, welcome back to the fourth episode of But Ma, that's my favorite movie, and I am your host, B. Lede. And today is actually a very, very special episode because if you didn't know already, it is Father's Day. So I have a very special guest today who is my father. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, I'm Adrian, Brittany's father. Been a dad all our life. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. And so we're going to be getting into um, a bunch of different things today. Um, one, we are going to, of course, introduce my father. I'm going to have some questions for him. And then um, we're going to do a list of the top best dads, top worst dads. And then we're going to get into our theme today, which, of course, like I said, is a Father's Day theme. So we have chose movies that are based around fathers who are, you know, dealing with, you know, raising their kids and just any of the situations that they have to deal with. So... We'll go ahead and get into the first thing here. So, Dad, we're going to, you know, let you introduce yourself to the audience. And how we're going to do that is I'm going to ask you two questions. So, the first one being, if you could describe your life as a genre, a movie genre, what would you describe it as? And then I'll, I'll firstly just say, if I could describe my life, which I've done in a previous episode... I described it as a drama fantasy, and that was just because I'm in my head a lot, and so I kind of, like, fantasize different situations and stuff that could happen in my life, but you guys. Oh, I'd say I'm an action drama, because I've got a lot of moving parts going with a lot yeah. of ups and downs, and it just keeps going. And I'm trying to think with action, like, just like what, just like, I guess like. Like always hands on. Yeah. Working. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is true. My life is always work. Yep, that is true. Okay. And drama is when I get home to the family. <laughs> right. <laughs> drama everywhere. Drama at work, drama with family, drama with yourself. Yep. yep. All sorts of drama. Okay. And then um, the second question is, what is the best? Or what is the best movie experience that you've had? Or what is one of the first movie experiences that you can remember? So either one of those or both. Um, I can remember going to the drive-in back in the 70s, watching Hills Have Eyes, scared the crap out of me <laughs> as a little kid, and just terrified. Yeah. Because as a little kid, everything scares you. But going yeah. back to rewatch it now... You're like, this ain't nothing. Yeah, what was that? (laughs) Right? But my best movie I've ever seen is I can remember my mom taking us to go see Star Wars. Ooh. And the indoor movies, which was really fancy. Yeah. So it's like when you first saw movies, like you said, like when your members are seeing it in the drive-in. So when y'all had indoor, it was like a completely different experience. Going to the mall, watching a movie in the indoor theater was like, oh man, we're high class. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And Star Wars is one of them. Followed by Empire Strikes Back, and then that's when you're hooked. Right? Yeah, Yeah, because... Sci-fi. Yeah, because, like, when... Like, I haven't... I'm not really into Star Wars, but I have an appreciation for Star Wars and the world that Lucas built. 
Because, like, when you look at movies and stuff like that, especially if you know the story behind Star Wars and how no one believed in his movie. Oh, yeah. Literally, people, like, he had to redo everything on all, like, the different characters and stuff. Those were all made out of different props and stuff that he had to just get. Yeah. Like, because there was some hurricane or something that happened that had messed up everything, everything they had had. Yes. And then he only had so much time to, like, you know, film everything. And the actors were like, this is crap. Right. Like, yeah. nobody don't want to see this. <laughs> and then look at the big empire that he's built today. Yes. Like, I, so I have a respect for that world that he's um, built. And especially back then, technology, you're looking at it like, this is futuristic. Stick, like, yeah. this is, what the heck is this, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I thought that stuff was really cool. Yeah. Okay. He did a great job. He did. Yeah, he built a crazy <laughs> empire. and Look at him now. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to add on to that? Uh, no, we're good. No? Okay. Yeah, we can go. All right. So, then the next thing we're going to get into here, we, me and my father, um, we have came up with a list of the best dads in film and the worst dads in film. And this was actually pretty fun to do because, you know, you look at the different movies and the stuff that happens, like, <laughs> you just kind of take in their characteristics and, you know, things that they go through and what they do. And, I don't know, it was just it was something really fun to come up with. So, um, I give you the honors. Which one would, would you like to get the bad news first or the good news first? Let's go with the bad because it's going <laughs> to be a little rougher. <laughs> And then we can finish it up with the good. Which Smooth makes it, it like, out. Yeah. <laughs> with the good. Okay, so let's go ahead and start with the worst dads. And so we have a list of just four dads. Now, mind you, like, maybe next Father's Day we can make, come up with a whole different list because there's a bunch of movie dads. So yep. let's just say this is list number one and possibly <laughs> to be continued. Okay, so worst dads. So number four, we have... Mr. Warmwood from Matilda. <laughs> okay, because he was terrible. Yes. He was mentally abusive. <laughs> they didn't care about Matilda. <laughs> like, they they wanted her to... Instead of them kind of, like, embracing her or trying to, like, figure... Because the girl... She was a really smart little girl. Yes. And she didn't, didn't get... In, yeah. Mm-hmm. She didn't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. She didn't cause them any trouble. All she wanted to do was freaking read, and that was a problem Prop- for them. <laughs> like, that was crazy. I was just like, because I remember rewatching it as an adult. Because um, Matilda's one of those movies I remember watching as a kid. Uh-huh. But, like, watching as an adult, I'm like, wow, they couldn't have just, like, just been like, okay, well, you read. That's what you like to do. Yeah, but it yeah. was like a big thing. Yes. Um, so yeah, he was really mentally abusive. So yeah, he's number four. Um, now coming in number three, we have Lester, who is an American beauty. Yes. So that was Kevin Spacey's character. Yes. yes. Um, to be honest, it's been a really long time since I've seen American Beauty. So maybe you can give more elaboration as to why he is number three. Well, he was an elderly father, went through some rough things, losses. <laughs> you know, went through a midlife crisis of what he really did. Yes. Started hanging out with the neighbor's yeah. son, which is not good. Adults should yes, hang out with children, kids. especially when they're selling drugs to you. So yeah. That right there is just a total disaster. Yeah. Yes. He was just doing a little too, too much. much. And then he was fantasizing about the, one of his sisters, was his daughter's, daughter's friend. friend. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a bad dad in a whole nother level. (laughs) Okay. 
<clears throat> and then number two, and this is funny because I didn't even think of this, but my dad thought of this one. So the dad coming in number two place for worst dads is Darth Vader. Like <laughs> so Darth Vader, okay, he was an absentee father. father. I mean, he wasn't even, like I said, I'm not too hip on the Star Wars universe. Why was he not there? Because he was taken over by the Force. <laughs> And he the lost force, it. The force it took got him. him. <laughs> and the force took him. He had no choice. But it's like he... so, But he knew that whole time he had a had son? son? Yes. And a daughter. Okay, because that was Princess Leia, Princess right? Princess Leia. He okay. had twins. And they split the twins. <laughs> yeah. Nobody even realized it until later in the series as it went on. With the famous, the famous line, line of... Yes. I'm, Luke, I'm your father. <laughs> but it's like... But, what, but was that like a manipulative tactic to try to like... Distract Luke when he because t- to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen probably him more to lure him to come yeah. be with him. Oh, because that was the thing to be on the dark side. So he wasn't trying to like kill him; he was trying to get him get over him to over him. His, yes, because oh. he was a power more than they could they could use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To take oh, over. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's a bad dad to make his son want to be bad. Yeah, but it's like um. I mean, could Darth Vader even ever go to the good side, or was well, that? Well, towards the in the other one, he did end up being taken in and brought back to a Jedi state. He was, oh, yeah. So, yeah, they he did. He went back. Okay. But as you can tell, it kept, his legacy <laughs> kept going on for darkness. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> uh, but his story was always, I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but Darth Vader's story always sounded more interesting. But I tend to like the, like, it's like I like heroes, but if the villains have a really good story, I end up clinging to them. Yeah, yeah, with them more. Gotcha. Um, and then the first person on this list that we have today of the worst Dad, Jack from The Shining. I had to take a pause. I was trying to think for a second. Yes, Jack from The Shining. And this was another one my dad came up with because I didn't even think. I totally forgot about freaking Jack Torrance and his crazy self (laughs) trying to murder his freaking family. All he was trying to do was write a book. (laughs) That one scene with, uh, I I forgot what the mom's name is called, but uh, the character characters played by Shelley Duvall yeah. and when he was typing he was like when you hear the keys typing <laughs> that means don't come in here like don't disrupt me and it was funny because online Wendy Wendy there you go Wendy he was trying to tell Wendy if you hear the keys typing even if you don't hear nothing don't come nope. down here period like <laughs> because he was going crazy. crazy yes and and I wonder because when I watched The Shining again I was trying to figure out what made him like what was it about that place? Because I don't I think, think it was, was that motel was haunted, or or is because or because was the, he haunted because you learned from Doctor Sleep. Spoiler alert! Um, so if you don't want to hear this, kind of skipped a few, probably a minute ahead or a few seconds. But um, you realize well, The Shining is well. No, actually, it's like a look into the. Is it? A, is it? A, well, because I'm trying. No, no. Actually, they the did bit. explain in there. They said The Shining was basically you can hear. Mm-hmm what other people are saying saying without them talking to you. That's how they communicate. Uh So, but I'm like, but that's just something that's internal with them. So what is like the possession that's over the hotel? That's what I didn't really get. I want to think it was the, it was a haunted motel. Because it, it had some connection with them being able to kind of like telecommunicate 
is that the right word? Telecommunication? Is that how you talk to somebody? Uh, no. Um, telepathic? Yeah, I think it is tel- or Something like that. But psychic. Psychic, Psy- yeah. Like a psychic but, um, connection. I, I guess, I don't know. But, I mean, The Shining was kind of the movies that was kind of like, blah. And I was like, you have to like really... Be, it's a great movie. You just have to be in the mood to watch, watch it. it. Yes. And so, I don't remember if I missed something where it kind of... Because sh- I know it was the room that was... Had the stuff... stuff on, yeah. Oh, you know what? I take that back. The whole thing was it... I guess you were, you were right. The haunt, It was haunted. Yeah. Because the guy who killed his family previously. Previously there. So they kind of just put, put that tape. Yeah. But the thing... I think something in the motel caused them to lose their mind. Almost like an empty... Amityville Horror. Yes, yes. But not a demon possession, more like of a like it was a possession where it would drive you mad to be there. Yeah. Were they were they taking um cabin fever to the next there level? There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, because I was thinking it it's it's one thing about the whole haunting because of the previous family and the yeah. dad who killed his family, but what haunted him before he, he killed? Home, yeah. So it's like it's I don't know, it's a mess. Yeah, but yes, that is that's the, a whole nother Halloween set for real. Um, so that is the list of worst sets. So we're gonna go into the more nicer part of it, which I don't think we were actually that bad to be honest on the nah, worst sets. Nah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's all fun. Um, so let's go ahead and start with the list of best dads. So number four. <laughs> We have... Could have been a good or bad, but yes. we went good. Yes. Clark Griswold. Yes. Well... Vacation uh, series. I will say why I think he's a good dad, and then you'll say the reason why you thought he could be kind of on the bad side. Okay, so Clark, I thought I think he's a good dad because he was trying to create memories with his kids. And, you know, a lot of the times, even though your parents, and what I've realized as an adult is... Even if your parents do stuff that you don't understand when you're younger, when you get older, you have a better understanding. Yeah. Because when you go through life and relationships and situations with different people, you learn, well, I see why they did that. Or yeah. what I thought was a bad thing was really something that helped me. But, you know, you're a kid, you don't understand it. You just think everyone's out to attack okay. me or they're just doing <laughs> that to be mean and you're, you don't understand it. So that's why I thought he was a good dad for trying to create those memories. And what was yours? <laughs> well, I thought it was bad because you drag your kids across country and do too much to do it. Right. Like the most. And then when you do it the one time, the second time, and then the third time. <laughs> just, just you didn't learn going. your lesson? And then you try to stay at home and do a Christmas vacation. It gets even worse. <laughs> so, I mean, I would have probably left home by then. Yeah, he's like, okay, you, like, I understand what you're trying to do, but, you know, what's, what's the saying? If, if. If you do it once, shame on me. Do it or no? If if do it once, shame on you. you. So, uh, do, do it, it the twice. second time, shame, shame on, on me. me. Third time, well, no, third time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's third about it. A, there shouldn't be a third time. <laughs> right? Exactly. Shall and he's done it four. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, so coming in on number three of best dads, we have. Liam Neeson. I don't remember what his character's name, but whatever his character was that played in um, Taken. Taken. You know what? I'm not too... I've never watched the Taken series, so I actually have no freaking idea. 
I mean, I know the general concept. Yeah. He was going after his daughter. Oh, yeah. But maybe you can elaborate more. You're like, okay, this is what made him a really good dad. Well, Brian was a great dad because he would go across the country. <laughs> the continent to another one to go get his daughter back. Okay. And put everything she, online. How, how did she get kidnapped? Was she like off at they went on a They went on a trip across to Europe. And she met a guy and they kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize who they were kidnapping. This guy was like James Bond to the max. Yeah, yeah. So they they realized who he was then. Yes, they, yeah. they were like, yeah, we're messing with the wrong one. Yes. We don't want to do that. Yes. Okay. When he told him, yeah, he was. Told, oh, I will find you. I will find you. I got a particular and I will set of kill skills. You. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> and they told him, come on. Yep. And they said, oh yeah, come on, come let's, on. let's see. And he came. Well, they learned their lesson, didn't yeah. they? Well, obviously, well, did she get kidnapped by a different people? It was each a different time? one. It was something different. But it was like not his daughter. It was like someone else, or was it his? It daughter was his daughter again. Oh my god! And the mom, because they went on another trip. Oh my god! Yeah, and he had to go get them both, and then the mom. Yeah, Th- they didn't learn to just not go. <laughs> Clark Griswold. <laughs> See, he stayed back and wasn't trying back. to create them exactly. But things like now, nah, I gotta come and get now y'all. I gotta come and get y'all. All I'm trying to do is watch the Lakers. Right. Okay, so coming in at number two, we have Mr. Furious, Jason. Not to be confused with Jason Voorhees. Um, Jason from Boys in the Hood. And if you've seen that movie, that is definitely a classic movie. That is a really good movie. And Lawrence Fishburne played Jason. And he was a really good father. And he was just really good in... Well, one with, you know, just the situation with, you know, him and um, just like the divorce, like co-parenting with his, you know, ex-wife and Mm -hmm. still trying to, you know, be in his son's life and, you know, try to give him wisdom and Mm -hmm. stuff and like still letting him do what he wanted. But to a certain extent, like letting him know your actions have consequences to anything that you do. So you have to be careful. Yeah. So he he was he had like a good balance of like guiding him, but then still giving him freedom. freedom. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm trying to think because yeah, because in Boys in the Hood he was staying with him for the summer, summer. right? Actually, or, I think his um they had agreed for him to come live with him because um, you remember he yeah. came and then he just stayed and he just grew yeah. up. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is. Well, true. he came and visited him in the summer and then mm-hmm. he said, "Hey man, boy needs his dad as he gets older." Yeah. And that's he when he like, came okay. and stayed with him. Yeah, and he raised him. I don't want to say in the ghetto, but in the hood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was yes. very hoodish. Very hoodish. <laughs> Crenshaw. Yeah. Right. Do yeah. we have a problem? problem? Yeah. So it's Ice Cube is a mess. Yes. Okay. But yeah, so weed's definitely number two on the good dads. So number one of the best dads, drum roll, please. <laughs> Boom. Perfect. Is John Q played by Denzel Washington. Well, John Quincy. Who played in John yeah, Q by Denzel Washington? So yes, he he was a great dad. Yes, by for, far. Yes, literally. <laughs> yes, because he he would do anything for his it's son, fine. like shutting down a whole freaking hospital, hospital yes. to say my son needs Medical a heart. Care. Yeah, he needs a heart transplant, and we're not finna wait anymore. Mm-hmm. Like this needs to be done pronto because he's like he's thinking like I guess just like in the medical. Uh, or like the medical field, you hear a bunch of stories about how black people, how they're treated 
And no. as far as like, like I heard one story of this woman who was in the emergency room was like really sick and they sent her home and on her way home, she like died. Yes. So it's like, they don't really care too much about as far as like the black life when, when it comes to like the medical field, they kind of brush off the symptoms and stuff like it isn't. Trickle. As crucial. Yes. Um, but yeah, so John was really serious about Because like you said, he literally gave... His heart. He gave his heart to his kid. Because yes. he, he knew that was like... Well, one, it's the ultimate sacrifice. And he would rather his kid have it than him have it. Because, you know, his kid would have... A life. Oh, yeah, a whole bunch of life to live. And he's probably yes. like, you know, I've done what I can. And that's what my sacrifice is in my life. Is to make sure my kids are good. Literally. Yes. <laughs> literally. Yes. Um, did you have anything else to add about that? No, that's got it. about it. That was really good. Okay, so now we're going to get into the theme. So we will go ahead and start with the first movie. Hey, don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me, all right? All right. You got a dream. You got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. If you want something, go get it. Period. Okay, now, if you don't know what movie that is from, that is from The Pursuit of Happiness. And this movie actually came out December 15th, 2006. And, of course, it stars the great Will Smith. Um, We also have uh, Thandi Newton. We have Jaden Smith. We have Brian Howe and Kurt Fuller. And those were some of like the main actors I kind of picked from this uh, movie. Yeah. And um, just to kind of like uh, Thandie Newton, she also played in the movie Crash. Yes. Um, Jaden Smith, he also played in uh, The Karate Kid when they remade it. Yeah. And Afterlife with his dad again. After Earth. After Earth. After yeah. Earth, my and you know, I've never seen that movie. I heard it's actually it was bad. okay. It's not great, but it's not bad. Yeah. But I'm a Will Smith fan. So yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then we have Brian Howe. He just, <laughs> that character, he played in just like, I saw a bunch of TV shows. So he's like yeah. a big TV actor. Yes. And maybe it's Howie. I'm saying Howe, but. And then we have um, Kurt Fuller. Um, he. Um, he played in Ghostbusters too. His face, when you see his face, he looks super familiar. Yeah. He was the one who played the Walter Ribbon, the one that he skipped up to. Yes. I'm like, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Oh, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then this was directed by um, Gabrielle, I believe it's Muccino. And he also played in, directed Seven Pounds of Will Smith. That's good too. As well. So they have like the a pretty good relationship. Yes. Okay, so um, this movie, and even versus the other movie we're going to talk about today, um, this movie is a a lot heavier, the subject matter. It's more of uh, leaning more towards a a drama, because it is a memoir. It's a true story about um, Chris Gardner's life and how he had to overcome homelessness to have this career change. And then just kind of go into like a little bit how the movie starts off. Um, so in the beginning, we learn about Chris and he has a little son who's named Chris Jr. Mm -hmm. And then he has his wife, Mm -hmm. um, who she plays Linda and that's by, uh, Thandie plays her. And then, uh, Chris Jr. is played by Mm Jaden. And so we learn instantly that he is a struggling salesman trying to sell these scanners to these hospitals, but the scanners actually 
create a denser picture Picture. than like yeah than the x-ray and so he is struggling to sell those for the fact that a lot of the hospitals are seeing them as a luxury that's not something they need yes and so uh he's so he's struggling to sell those things because he doesn't have any other income that is literally what his income is because we also learned the movie that he's put up all his savings, savings. to get these scanners because they thought it was going to be really lucrative in the future. Mm-hmm. But we learned that doesn't happen. Doesn't <laughs> and so then his wife, Linda, is basically picking up the slack for both of them yes. and working doubles. And I think it was like a laundry. I don't know if she was a maid or like it was a just hotel. a... hotel. looked like it yeah. was a hotel. Because when, when he first meets up with her... We see that she's she's wearing kind of like a maid uniform, yes. but it's like in this yeah, but yes. it's like a laundry facility. So yes. I could I wasn't sure if it was just a laundry thing that she worked or if it was an actual like she does. Oh like yeah, maid I what you're saying. Okay, that's so that's why I was a little confused about. But besides the point, you know, it doesn't really matter. But anyways, we see that there's a strain in relationship because of money, money. because she's having to work double probably triple shifts to maintain the family to have a place to stay and then you know chris is trying to you know be on his salesman thing and Mm -hmm. trying to sell these scanners Mm -hmm. and so what we see is that it's just this strain of dynamic between him and then really just them keeping their head above water is there anything else you want to say about it or anything there in the beginning that we saw or just in the movie no, it was just pretty good the way it was done. And I started out and you could tell the strain was there at the beginning. Yeah. And and, and the seller machine was only $250. Yes. And this is 81 so that was a lot of money. Yes. And um, I thought, and then what we also learned, so we already know money is a huge issue with between their dynamic and their relationship. Um, because they're having to work, she's having to work really hard to get it and he's having to try to, work and sell as well but we also see that he gains an interest in having a career change when he sees this stock he was a a stock broker broker. and he was in this real nice what sports car Uh, yeah i think it was a ferrari yeah and he was like what did you do to get that and then he's like the guy's like oh yeah i worked there at dean Dean witter yeah dean witter and he was like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, that's cool. So, And then he's thinking back to how in school he was really good with numbers. numbers yes. And so he's like, well, I could possibly do that. And he also was seeing everyone that was coming out of the building, how happy they looked. Yes. And he was just like, they look so happy. I want that. Yes. And then what happens is... He's deciding, like, okay, he ends up going into the building, and I forgot where he saw that there was an internship. It was on the door posted, hiring. Okay. Yeah, there was a hiring, believe it or not, there was a hiring sign on the door of Dean Witter. Right. He's saying, (laughs) yeah, for the internship itself. Yes. So, he went in to get an application. Yes. Yes, that's what he did. Yeah. That this is just a satellite office. They're really taking them downtown. Yep. That's when he goes downtown. Yep. And he meets Mr. Twizzle. Twizzler? Twizzler? Something like that. Yeah. I forgot how to say and, it, but um, yeah. That's when he takes off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so then he's like, okay, I could possibly do that. Yes, yes. Because you could tell he's like a go-getter. Well, we obviously yes. know he's a very hard-working person. Even though, like, he struggled and didn't catch a break literally 99% of the movie. Yes. 
But he still was like, he never showed it on his face what he went through. No. He never dressed what he went through. He was very good about keeping up his appearance and even his personality and the way he interacted with people. No one had no idea what he was going through. Yes. And I, I thought that was really cool how he was able to maintain that throughout the movie because, I mean, he went from being homeless to losing his wife to having to, you know, fix a machine that broke because... Well, actually, he had two different machines that were stolen from him. Yes, that he retrieved back. Yes, so it was like there was just so much and going on. And not only on. that, he lost his money to the IRS. Yep. When he finally got above water. When he finally sold his last six machines, Seems. that is when his money got taken away. But in hindsight, well, yeah, hindsight, his wife did tell him, she was like, what are you going to do about the tax? taxes? She did. She was like, because you know it's going to come up. Yes. And the thing, uh, one of the quotes I love from uh, Set It Off, when uh, Luther was like, there's three people I don't mess with, the Aya, the Aura, and the, the S, S. <laughs> because you cannot mess with the IRS, because yeah. they will make sure, if you don't give them their money, they will get the oh, money, yeah. period. There's there's no way around that. Oh, yeah. They but, strong army. Exactly. And so... Um, so yeah, so it's just different obstacles and things that he had to overcome in the movie, but just, I guess, talking about some, um, different kind of like key things in it. Well, because the movie is called Pursuit of Happiness and to be honest, I never even noticed, but they spell happiness. With a Y. A yes, with a Y. And so I was like, and then it was just, was like a running theme Thing, yes. throughout the movie. So it's like with the, his wife, you know, we could tell that. She was just, I don't know. I feel like it was a lot of gray area because I did think initially she just left to leave, but she did at moments try to take, well, initially when she left, she took the son. Yes. But then he was like, don't you ever take my son from yes. me. And then when, you know, he ended up going to jail and then he needed her to watch him and take him, you know, she kept him out longer yes. than he said. It wasn't like she was like, oh, take the kid. I don't want him. Like, yeah. you could tell she wanted. And, and, and literally, it showed that she was the one holding it down for the family the whole time. Because when he didn't have her, I mean, he was sleeping in hotels. and They weren't doing that when she was there. No. Because she was the one who had the stable job. Yeah. So that was the only thing yeah. I kind of didn't get why he felt like she couldn't take care of him. Or unless maybe there, there was, I don't know, I guess it was just some missing like some holes in it that didn't kind of really explain her side or yeah. who she was that made him think like you don't even though that she they weren't homeless they still were three months behind on the rent so obviously she yeah. couldn't pay rent so okay i don't remember the maybe three. She, yeah so okay yeah because remember he said i had to sell a machine to pay the rent okay yeah i had to sell two two a month uh, oh okay got you to pay the rent mm -hmm. pay the, yeah i mean i don't know money situation but 81 Things were a lot cheaper, but I don't yeah. know. But still, but, I mean, but it's still, like, even without, like... Because it's, like, it depends on, like, what minimum wage is, like, the inflation yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, like, it would probably still be how people are now. Probably, like, 325 an hour back then. Yeah, so. exactly. Because I, mean, I remember when I started working, the minimum wage was at $6. Dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, like... Six fifteen or something. In the eighties, it was three twenty five. So oh my probably lower gosh! Than that in eighty one. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah so that's crazy. I think it runs with Ooh. gas price, whatever gas price is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so um, did you have like any thoughts on just like, like just the theme of like what happiness was or? Well, his whole idea was that he only met his dad when he was twenty eight. Yes. So he said he would never let his son not know him. Yes. Or his kids would never not know him. Yeah. So he kept that in his mind that he would make any sacrifice to keep his kids yeah. and to be in their life. And that's kind of a good thing for a dad yeah. because he did sacrifice and, you know, it was rough. You know, he, he gave up his wife for his son. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause and, and, and he did have like, even though he had the moments where he was homeless and, you know, he couldn't even, aff- I mean, they had to sleep in a bathroom. bathroom yes. But it's like he did have his kid with him at all times. Oh, he never yes. once was like, okay. let Yeah. Or, or just like, cause you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, um, down anyone who has to do that because, no, no. you know, it's like everyone's going to go through stuff and. If you know, okay, I'm not in a place to take care of my kid, and yes. if you know someone could, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting yourself together, but he refused to do that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, like I said, so it's like he really went above and beyond to, yeah, he went above and beyond to make sure he had his kid with him at all times. Um, so let's see here. Let's go ahead. I think we went into. Most of the good stuff in this movie and the good points about him. Because this, this, I mean, so this is a really good, I think it's a really good family movie. Yes. This is a good movie to look at. Emotional. Yeah, it, this was one of those movies. What a good yeah, this was one of those movies where sometimes, like, when I do my theme episodes, I'll just get a refresher. I'll watch the movie a little bit. But this was one I actually was like, I gotta finish this because I gotta see, <laughs> even though I know what's gonna happen, I need to see what happens yes. still. Like, I need to finish it. I can't stop it. Yes. Okay, so um, a little bit of trivia that I have here. So the homeless people that they had on the set, they were actually paid a full day's work at minimum wage, which was, I think, like eight twenty five. Wow. And they were oh, saying, yeah. yeah, some of those homeless people, they hadn't gotten money like that in a while. So wow. imagine that could have granted them places to stay in hotels and stuff for a night. Yes. You know, go somewhere, be able to take a shower or whatever. Wow, that's cool. Um, there. Okay, so the Rubik's Cube was really big in the movie. Yep. Um, because, I mean, that was a thing in the 80s. Yes. I guess that was just kind of um, dating the movie just yeah. to show where it was at, like how the Rubik's Cube was so popular. Okay, so they had the speed cubing champions um tyson mayo toby mayo and lars purchase i think i don't know i can't read my hand around but whoever the champions <laughs> were at speed cubing um they were hired to coach will smith to solve a rubik's cube in under two minutes wow so that's how he was able to do that wow just imagine like just that's what that's why I love film because there's just so many things that go into it that literally we're hiring someone for something just something that you think is so small that is gonna be filmed for less than five minutes. Yep. It's like a huge thing. It's yep. like we're hiring someone to teach someone to do this one thing. Yes. yes. So that was I thought that was really never interesting. Knew that. Right? I that never knew that either. Yep. Um and then uh of course we know uh Chris Jr. was played by Jaden Smith. J- Smith, which is Will Smith's son. 
which he was really, I thought for him to be a kid, when kid actors are able to play in movies, because they got to memorize those lines. Yeah. They got to be able to hit marks. Yes. They got to be able to not look at the camera, pretend like the camera's not there. And you, you have people on freaking dollies and lighting people and sound people and all these different people around you. And this kid's able to like focus mm-hmm. to just be in the moment with the other actor. Like, I think yeah. that's insane that a kid can do that. Yep. But he he did, he did really a really good. good job. He did. Yes. And then if you didn't know this, like I originally when I first watched this movie, I had no idea it was based on a true story. So there was a couple elements in the movie that were dramatized. So um, one of them was his internship wasn't unpaid in real life. So when Chris Gardner had did the internship, mm-hmm. he he got paid a good stipend. They didn't give an amount, but a stipend is like one fixed amount. Yeah. And they said it was pretty good. Oh, okay. Um, and then he wasn't married. So oh, really? Yeah, they portrayed like he was married in the movie, but they weren't he wasn't married to her, so I guess I was just his girlfriend. And then the son was actually a um the son was a toddler. And when they said he was going through the internship, his son was an infant at that point. So I guess it wasn't until like a little later. Yeah, so he, so his son was an infant when they said he actually went through the training itself. Okay. So I guess... Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, to make it a movie, you have to have a... Yeah, you have to, you have to um, spark it up a little bit. You got to yeah. make it interesting. Yeah. Because even though there's elements and stuff of people's life you can make a movie about, there's still things you got to... Change up up, to make the story flow and to make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's all I got for that one. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Okay, so the next one, the next movie that we're going to get into now, it's not working. I need to go older. Older? You mean like Shelly Winters older or Shelly McLean older? What's the difference? Some scotch tape and some red hair dye. What about Joan Collins? Oh, I don't think I had the strength, but it has some plaster. (laughs) So the movie we just quoted is from Mrs. Doubtfire. So, of course, this movie is on the total opposite spectrum of The Pursuit of Happiness, but it's still a good movie about a father and just his, his situations in the life and stuff, things that he's dealing with. So this movie, I thought was actually kind of funny. Um... This movie came out November 24th, 1993. So we had Pursuit of Happiness that came out in December. And this one came out November 13 years apart. (laughs) And so this movie um, is directed by Chris Columbus. And this director, normally like if I look up movies, I have a director, I have like a few. Oh, I know about some movies that they've done. Um, but this one, he has a whole list. Oh. <laughs> um, he was actually the producer in The Help. Um, but he directed um, two of the Harry Potter movies. Wow. Uh, Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, and Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. He directed, I believe, all of the Percy Jacksons. Oh, okay. Um, he directed Adventures of Babysitting. <laughs> Good um, he directed uh, Bic- Bicentennial Man. With Robin Williams as well. I've yeah. never seen that movie, but he directed that one too. Uh, um, he also directed Stepmom that has Susan Sarandon yes. and Julia Roberts. Yeah. Um, and then also Rent 
which the musical they turned into uh-huh. a movie. Okay. So yeah, he he is a pretty established. He yeah he has a good resume yeah. <laughs> for real. Um, so of course in this movie we have starring Robin Williams, which I mean if you don't know who Robin Williams is, then you lived under a rock, because um, he's been in so many movies. R.I.P. Um, then we have Sally Field, um, which everyone should know Sally Field, but she. Uh, playing Forrest Gump, still mm-hmm. Magnolia, still Magnolia is one of my favorite movies. I think that was the first movie I ever seen her in. Um, we have Pierce Bronson, who was James Bond. Yeah. Uh, we have Harvey Firestein. Um, he played in Independence Day and did a voice, I believe, of one of the soldiers in Mulan. But that's the yes. one that was uh, that did Frank, Frank when we did. Yeah, yeah we did Frank, the quote. Yeah, played his brother. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, Polly Holiday. And she played in uh, Parent Trap, Gremlins, Matthew Lawrence. He played in Hot Chick, Boy Meets World. And then we have Mara Wilson, who played in Matilda. Mm-hmm. And this movie was actually her film debut. Wow. I did not know that. So it wasn't Matilda. It was Mrs. This, Doubtfire. Wow. Okay. Okay. So getting into this movie, at the very beginning, it starts off where we see Daniel is a voice actor. Yes. And... He is, you know, of course, doing his thing. You can tell he's just really great at what he does. But um, he ends up quitting his job because the scene that he's doing the voiceover for, the bird, they have a part where the cat gives him a cigarette before he's going to kill him. (laughs) And then he's like over, like he's talking over it, making it seem like, you know, oh my God, it's hurting my lungs. Like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to smoke. Smoking is so bad for you. And you know the i think he's like the producer or the director it's just like yeah you can't do that you can't give him words that he's not saying on the screen <laughs> and he's like it's kind of an inner monologue he was like it's like god <laughs> yeah um or he's like yes we can say it's god and he's like like no you can't do that and so yeah. basically he felt you know it's more important like i i have to walk off this job cuz i i have morals and ethics yes. and i don't think that's right that y'all are going to show kids a bird, bird smoking, smoking like it's cool. Yes. And so then after that, which that is, it's like a good and a bad thing because we see his character like, okay, he is fighting for what's right. But at the same time, you know, as an adult that has a family to provide for, you can't just quit, quit your job yeah. without having an, something as a backup. As a backup. Yes. <clears throat> so... Then we see how he ends up, after he leaves there, he picks up his kids for from school. And then um, one of his kids is like, the, I guess he's like the middle child, I think. Yeah, he's the middle one. It's his birthday. And he decides to throw him a party that has all of the, well, he, he decides to throw, bring the zoo to their yeah, house, to the house. While the mom is at work. Um, who Sally Field plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Miranda. supposed to be having a party because he failed one of his classes. Yes. So he decides, okay, I'm just going to throw my kid a birthday just party a because party. it's his birthday. Yeah, just a little one. But yeah, like you said, he wasn't supposed to be having a party because that he wasn't doing had he doing what he needs to in school. school. Yes. And so then uh, the neighbor ends up calling Sally Field's character to let her know, hey, you have like these animals yes. outside outside and inside your house and so then she comes home to like a wreck because there's kids jumping on the couches music is loud dad and the kids are dancing on the table just a lot of stuff going on and so um then we 
get to know their dynamic how of course like the mom she's the more responsible one she has the good job the stable job and then you know daniel he's obviously going to job to job he really doesn't have a stable one and he doesn't really take life as seriously which is not a terrible thing but at the same time it's like okay at some point you can't look at everything as like a joke so, and not take it seriously when you have a family so, to provide for mm-hmm. like you can't look at it that way and i remember watching that movie as a kid and i'm just like oh my god sally filled is such a party pooper like <laughs> they're having fun like who wouldn't want a bunch of animals your friends over music loud y'all having fun and then she comes in like, you know, yeah, she brought a cake. That was good. But she just ruins everything and doesn't find the fun in it. I'm just like, why not? But now as an adult, I would be so mad <laughs> if I came home and my husband was doing all that. And I'm like, because who's going to clean up all this mess? More than likely, it's yeah. going to be Sally Fields. Yes, yes. Miranda, she's going to have to clean everything up anyway. So no one just won't have to deal with that. And so um, then we come to realize in the relationship that Miranda, um, who Sally Field plays, she's no longer happy. She wants a divorce. Mm -hmm. And so at first, once again, Daniel's not taking it seriously. He's like, she'll come around. Yeah, she'll come around. She, nothing's going to happen. And the next thing you know, they're in court. Court. (laughs) She's really divorcing him. And because his, you know, his lack of choices or his just lack of, serious and stableness that stuff gets real when in the divorce she gets temporary full custody of the kids and he only has supervised visits one day a week so then he's like wait hold up (laughs) like i didn't think none of this was gonna happen and because she was just like you know you need to grow up you know you can't keep going the way you're going because one, I'm not happy with you, and two, I'm not gonna have the kids around you if you don't yeah. get your stuff together. So then we end up getting to the point where, you know, he's trying to get his life together. He ends up finding this job at the studio. Obviously, it's not ideal. Yeah. He's packing up the boxes. What he said? <laughs> the line. He said, "You put the bottles in the box." <laughs> he goes, "You put the, you put the films in the box. Put the box in the in the uh." Oh, God, how did he say it? He was, yeah, he says it like he put the... And he goes, he goes, what do I do with the films again? He says, what do I do after I put the bottles in the box? You ship them. Yeah, that's Smart it. Ass. He goes, you put the, put the films in the box, you ship, ship the em. box. Yes. He goes, so what do I do, do when I put the films in the box? Yeah. Ship them. Yeah. And so the then... The best. Yeah, yes. Yeah. This, this is a great movie. The, the lines in here are definitely quotable. Um, so after that, then he gets this apartment, which is not the best apartment. No. And I mean, I mean, he's a guy, so he's not thinking, I'm going to decorate it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get no. furniture. Like, he's not thinking of anything. Because, no. like, what, he's never been on his own. No. Um, as far as we know from the story, he's never no. been on his own like that. No. She, yeah. So, um. her. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And so then he, he, one of the nights he's spending with the kids and, you know, he's trying to have dinner with them and you know of course everything's a little out of place for the kids because now it's like okay we're in two different homes yeah you know i go to my mom's house i go to my dad's house like we want we wish we could be in one place like it was before before. and then the mom ends up coming an hour early yeah and then he like tells her hey like you know these are my kids like you you can't just cut into my time i only get them one day a week yeah 
And so then she ends up mentioning to him that she's going to get a nanny. Yeah. Or, or, well, she says, I, you know, I'm coming early because I have to go do this, this, that, and third. And one of the things she says, I have to drop off this paper at the office, the post office. At the, uh, yeah. Newspaper office. Newspaper office for a nanny. Yeah, he, well, because he was like, what, what for? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm just looking for a nanny. He's like, but why? I could, like, pick up the kids. And she's yeah. just like, no. No. Like, yeah, that's not no. going to happen. So, he ends up seeing the paper as she's, like, getting the kids together. He changes the number on there so he knows no one can call. call her. Yeah. And then then he comes up with this plan to basically become that ideal nanny. But before he does all that, he's coming up with all these different voices. He's freaking setting up all these, basically, the worst candidates she could find. And then, eventually, he comes up with Mrs. Doubtfire which is going to be the ideal nanny that's going to be absolutely perfect for her. So it'll be a win-win for, win for her to have this nanny, but then it's also him getting to spend time with his kids every day. Yes. Except the only thing is he has to do it as Mrs. Doubtfire, not like the dad. Not like he's the dad. The dad. And so um, this this is a really funny movie. This is one of those movies that just stand the test of time, and then it's just going to forever... For generations to come, everybody's gonna always watch this movie. Yes. Cause it's just a good movie. Yes. Um, let's see. So is there anything else you wanted to say about it or No, it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> the sacrifices he made to see his kids. Yes. Yep, another was extreme, yeah. He went And this was more of like on the comedy side, but it did have its serious moment. But it, I mean it was mostly comedy. Oh yes. Apparently this movie was supposed to be darker. Oh, really? But then they kind of changed it. It seemed like it taught him to grow up. Yes. But I think they were trying to go... Well, okay, what I was reading was apparently they were trying to show the strain of what a divorce can be on the kid. So mm-hmm. more of like the kid's perspectives and yeah. having oh, like okay. the different parents. But, I mean, you got Robin Williams. You can't... Go dark with Robin yeah, Williams. Yeah, you I mean... Jack Nicholson? Yeah, you could have went Ooh, dark. Oh, Jack Nicholson, <laughs> yes. But not Robin Williams. Not now, Robin he Williams. did do 24-hour photo. Was it 24-hour oh, yeah, photo? Was, yeah, 24-hour. Is that what it was called? Was it 24-hour photo? I think it was 24-hour photo yeah, that's, or something that's like that. Yeah, pretty dark, yeah. I, I remember you renting that movie. Or, no, no, you it. probably... Yeah, you yeah. bought it. Yeah, I got it. But I'm saying, like, when it first came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bought it. And I remember you watching it, but I don't remember paying attention to it, but I remember you watching it. Oh, yeah. Getting the movie dark in that, but... See, and I've never seen... That's why I need to watch them. Yeah. But um, anyway, so this... I thought this was interesting. The character Mrs. Doubtfire was first p- performed by Robin Williams at a show Andy Kaufman did at um, Carnage Hall pretending to be Kaufman's grandmother. So the really? comedian... And it's funny because I was just looking up Andy Kaufman... Because, you know, the movie Man on the Moon. Yes. With Jim Carrey. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's good, too. That's another one I want to watch. It's good, yes. Because I was just reading up Andy Kaufman and how, like, people think he faked his death. They don't think he's really dead. And (laughs) Right? Yeah, because he he had had this rare, like... he he had had cancer. Yeah, a rare lung cancer. cancer. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because that connection with Andy Kaufman, like, Jim Carrey plays him in that movie. Uh It's like two comedians, but anyways. Oh, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then, um, of course, Robin Williams, a lot of, like, the greatest bits in it is him ad-libbing. Like, he... uh, uh, Chris... 
Columbus, the director, was all in on letting him do the scenes however many times he wanted to do because apparently Robin Williams would do the scenes over and over and over. Like, he would do it, like, the first couple times doing it by the script, but then he would go and just wherever felt right, he would say it. Oh, okay. So he, they went and did a bunch of takes, and then um, Chris was like, okay, like, we want to capture everything he does the moment he does it and not have to, like, have him redo it when it's not as authentic. It's not genuine, genuine yeah. So he would set up different angles. So instead of them like, I'm guessing ideally they set up certain angles. They do the scene one way and then they'll set up another way. Mm -hmm. But he made sure to have just cameras from all angles. So if they need to have a close-up shot, he would have had that. If they need to have a wide shot, they would have had it that way. Mm -hmm. Whatever shots that they needed, they were able to get in that one take versus, I guess, stopping and having them redo the scene from the other side. Because if you catch something good, you can't get it in that same... Yes. That same... That authentic feeling where it didn't feel forced. Yes. And then I thought something else was funny that... Because they were saying, like, in the movie, you know, his wife leaves him and he becomes the nanny. Uh Uh-huh. But they were saying something in real life, Robin Williams had left his wife for a nanny. (laughs) And I'm like... I I mean, I've never... To be honest, I've never looked into Robin Williams' life, so I have no idea. But I was like, huh, that's interesting. But that was a a lot of the things that I got was just about the whole ad-libbing. And, um, you know, of course, they had different people that that they wanted to uh, play Mrs. Doubtfire as well. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, when you look at, like, a lot of the movies, there's so many... There's, like, a list of other people that they wanted for the movie or for the certain characters. Yeah. And you'll just be so surprised of who they initially thought would be best for it. So that's why, like, in in the world of film, um, being first is not always the greatest thing. Because you could be... The hundredth pick, and you were the best choice. choice. But they just have to, you know. Ideally, when you imagine things, you're just like, okay, this is how we imagine a person. You know, we've seen them in this. We think they'd be great. But then you end up coming across someone else that you're like, I had no, no idea. idea he would have been as great totally as he wrong. was. Exactly. Yep. All right. So I think that is that's all the movies that we got today. Yep. And um. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to wish a happy Father's Day to my father, who Thank I you. love very much. Love you and too. And I'm so glad that he got to um, join me in this episode, so this is really special to me. And is there anything else you want to add? No, nope, had a great time. Enjoyed watching the movies over again. Hopefully, my dad will and be on some more episodes to come. I will. That See will be we, fun. We'll pick some more genres and go with it. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you later and bye. Bye.